Good morning and welcome to our online service at Beckles Baptist Church. My name is Peter Skerritt, the assistant pastor here, and I'll be leading us through the service to get today. Uh, Tom Fenning, our pastor, will be concluding our series in the Book of Esther as well. Uh, by the time this service goes uh, live online uh, on YouTube, uh, we'll already have uh, enjoyed our 915 service back in the building. Uh, and right now, as this goes out, uh, right at the very same time, people are meeting in our church building at 11.15 as well, uh, doing very much the same thing, meeting to pray, meeting to uh, listen to the word of God in the book of Esther. Uh, and one thing that unites us uh, wherever we are, um, or whatever time we're watching this, uh, are these words that we read uh, from Acts chapter 4. If you've been following along in our church Bible reading plan, we've started in the early chapters in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 4. Uh, Peter, the apostle, stands up in front of the religious leaders, uh, having just been in prison, and he explains why he won't stay quiet. He says, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. That is the, the thing that unites us wherever we are right now. Uh, we are those who have clung on to this Jesus, the, the only one in whom there's salvation from everything that troubles us, everything that threatens us. And what stood out to me in that verse was simply the fact that Jesus has been given to us. He is the name given to us, like a rescue rope dangling for rescue. And that is the one thing that unites us, and that is what we're here to remember and to cling to. So I'm going to pray for our time together before we hear from some members of our church family. Father, we want to praise you right at the beginning of this service for that uh, privilege that we have to be united in Jesus Christ. We thank you that you have given us him as a saviour. Thank you that you have sent him into the world. Thank you that he lived that perfect life that we have failed to live every day this week. We thank you that he died a sin-bearing death, putting to death, uh, taking into the grave our sin and leaving it there. We praise you, Lord, that he is risen, made Lord and Messiah, King of Kings. And he's busy now working in the church. We thank you so much that he will be working in us today, online, in the building, as we open up your words, as we hear him speak. Please, would we be filled with his spirit, would be, uh, be emboldened by the gospel and caused to trust Jesus more uh, through our time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we're going to hear some more from some members of our church family. Hi everyone, just wanted to say hello and this is little Rafferty who you've heard so much about. Here he is and we just wanted you to see him and we just wanted to say thank you for all your prayers over the last few months. But he's just about to go home so we'll say bye. Bye. Hi. <laughs> Morning church family, lovely to speak to you, hope we shall see you all again soon. Hello church family. It's nice to be with you, and it's nice to get rid of my long hair. <laughs> Bye. Good morning, Beckles Baptist Church. It's a great privilege to be able to just say hello to you. I miss you all very much. Can't wait to see you again. I do pray about the church and the people in the church every day. And without my faith, I certainly would not have got through um, this last few weeks. I'm very grateful for the support that you've given me. I can't wait to see you all. Hello, church family. It's good to be able to talk to you. And thank you all so very much for the cards and prayers that I've received in these last, in these last weeks. And we pray that this Sunday may be a time of blessing and encouragement for each of us as we worship the Lord. It was great to hear from some members of the church family. And uh, we're going to sing now together to remind us exactly of our identity. The song that we're going to start with is this, Come People of the Risen King. Come 
As I said, uh, Tom Fenning, our pastor, is about to uh, join us in a moment to conclude our time in the book of Esther. In case you're dropping in uh, for the first time or you need a bit of a refresher, uh, Tom's going to just help us as we recap before we look at today's reading. The book of Esther is set in the Persian Empire, where this man, King Xerxes, is in charge. He and his empire, at first glance, look amazing, but actually they turn out to be a bit silly and and pretty dangerous too. There are two members of God's people that we need to be aware of. The first is this lady, she's called Esther, and amazingly, she ends up being made queen of the Persian Empire. Another member of God's people is this man called Mordecai. He's Esther's cousin, and he lives in the capital city and works there too. But both Esther and Mordecai are in grave danger, well, because of this man. His name is Haman, and he has made a wicked law that says that in nine months' time, everyone is able to kill, destroy, and annihilate all of God's people. Last week, through amazing turns of events, through both Esther and through Mordecai, the king found out about this wicked law. He sentenced Haman to death, and he rescued both Esther and Mordecai. But the thing that is the problem is this, is that this law for people to destroy, kill, and annihilate is still in place over all of God's other people in the empire. So while Esther and Mordecai are safe, everyone else is in danger. And today we're going to find out, is it possible for them to be rescued, for them to move from a place of danger to a place of safety? Well, we're going to turn now to Esther chapter 8. So if you want to pick up your copy of God's Word, don't be afraid to hit pause. Just go and grab your Bible quickly. Uh, We're going to read from chapter 8, verse 1, through to chapter 9, verse 1. And Kelly Douglas Parsons is going to give our reading for us. Our reading this morning is taken from the book of Esther, reading from chapter 8, verse 1, through to chapter 9, verse 1. That same day, King Xerxes gave Queen Esther the estate of Haman, the enemy of the Jews. And Mordecai came into the presence of the king, for Esther had told him how he was related to her. The king took off his signet ring, which he had reclaimed from Haman, and presented it to Mordecai. And Esther appointed him over Haman's estate. Esther again pleaded with the king, falling at his feet and weeping. She begged him to put an end to the evil plan of Haman, the Agagite, which he devised against the Jews. Then the king extended the gold sceptre to Esther, and she rose and stood before him. If it pleases the king, she said, and if he regards me with favour, and thinks it's the right thing to do, and if he's pleased with me, let an order be written, overruling the dispatches, that Haman, son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, devised and wrote to destroy the Jews in all the king's provinces. For how can I bear to see disaster fall on my people? How can I bear to see the destruction of my family? King Xerxes replied to Queen Esther and to Mordecai the Jew, Because Haman attacked the Jews, I have given his estate to Esther, and they have hanged him on the gallows. Now write another decree in the king's name on behalf of the Jews, as seems best to you, and seal it with a king's signet ring. For no document written in the king's name and sealed with his ring can be revoked. At once the royal secretaries were summoned. On the twenty-third day of the third month, the month of Sivan. They wrote out all Mordecai's orders to the Jews, and to the satraps, governors and nobles of the 127 provinces, stretching from India to Kush. These orders were written in the script of each province, and the language of each people, and also to the Jews in their own script and language. Mordecai wrote in the name of King Xerxes, sealed the dispatches with the king's signet ring, and sent them by mounted couriers, who rode fast horses bred especially for the king. The king's edict granted the Jews in every city the right to assemble and to protect themselves, to destroy, 
kill and annihilate any armed force of any nationality or province that might attack them and their women and children and to plunder the property of their enemies. The day appointed for the Jews to do this in all the provinces of King Xerxes was the thirteenth day of the twelfth month, the month of Adar. A copy of the text of the edict was to be issued as law in every province and made known to the people of every nationality so the Jews would be ready on that day to avenge themselves on their enemies. The couriers, riding the royal horses, raced out, spurred on by the king's command, and the edict was also issued in the citadel of Susa. Mordecai left the king's presence wearing royal garments of blue and white, a large crown of gold and a purple robe of fine linen, and the city of Susa held a joyous celebration. For the Jews it was a time of happiness and joy, gladness and honour. In every province and in every city, Wherever the edict of the king went, there was joy and gladness among the Jews, with fasting and celebrating. And many people of other nationalities became Jews, because fear of the Jews had seized them. On the thirteenth day of the twelfth month, the month of Adar, the edict commanded by the king was to be carried out. On this day the enemies of the Jews had hoped to overpower them, but now the tables were turned and the Jews got the other upper hand over those who hated them. Well, having read the Bible, and before we look at it further, let's pause and let's pray, and let's ask God to help us. Our Father in heaven, we ask that you would be very kind to us in the coming moments. Would you speak loud and clear? And would we listen, expecting to hear your voice, And might you, by your spirit, change us from the inside out. Help us trust your son. Help us be people who are joyful because of his rescue. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I wonder, grown-ups and boys and girls, when the last time was you can remember being in a position of danger, Uh, Maybe it was when you were really poorly, really unwell. Uh, You were in danger, and yet when you were made well, you were cured. Maybe the doctors gave you some medicine. You moved from a position of danger to a position of safety. And when you move from danger to safety, often we feel, oh, relieved and happy. I wonder if there's other things that would have been a position of danger you've been in. Maybe you've been lost far from your mum and dad, didn't know where they were. And then you reach the safety of being found. Or maybe you face the danger of facing a big dog that was really scary. But then someone came and rescued you from the dog to a position of safety. When we move from danger to safety, we feel, oh, relieved. And we feel happy. And the thing is, the bigger the danger, the bigger the sense of relief when we reach safety. Oh, thank goodness. And the process of reaching a point of safety from a position of danger is what is called rescue. We reach safety when we are rescued from danger. And what we find today in our story in Esther is that God's people are in a position of massive danger. And then they are rescued to reach a position of total safety. And their response is one of joy and happiness. And what we see in this story in the book of Esther is that it's a brilliant picture of the rescue that God makes available for us through the Lord Jesus, a rescue that takes us from massive danger through to total safety. And as we see this, it should make us joyful at all that God has done for us. We need to rejoin the story to see why this is the case. So let's jump down and recap where we got to last time. Last week we saw that both um, Mordecai and Esther were in positions of enormous danger because of the wicked instruction Haman had given 
that people could destroy, kill, and annihilate all of God's people. And yet amazingly, through God, the hidden God who was clearly at work, they were brought from a place of massive danger to a place of real safety as God rescued them. But today what we see with Mordecai and Esther is that they are a miniature picture of the big picture of what God is going to do for all of his people. We're going to look at our story under three headings. Um, here's the first one before we start recapping the story. I wonder if you can do some the actions that go with it. Rescue declared. You do that with me? Rescue declared. This is our heading number one, and it takes us all the way through chapter eight. What's that heading again? Rescue declared. Our story starts again in the throne room of King Xerxes. Esther has once again gone to see him. But again, she's gone without an invitation. And as such, she's put herself in real danger once again. She comes to the king. And he's got every right to kill her. But we read in verse 4, he turns and offers his golden scepter to her, which she goes again and touches. But as she touches it, she actually falls before him and says, please, 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 spare my people. Spare my people. Why? Well, because the, um, the wicked instruction that Haman had given to kill, destroy and annihilate all of God's people was still out there. And in nine months' time, it was going to happen. People were in real danger. So Esther says, spare my people. And King Xerxes says, sure thing. Write a new command, a new instruction, and send it everywhere to enable God's people, the Jews, to defend themselves. So Mordecai is called in, and Mordecai has some important people write up a new instruction that actually says that if God's people are attacked by anyone in nine months' time, they are given permission now to destroy, kill, and annihilate anyone who attacks them. Uh, but he doesn't just write out this instruction once. He writes it out lots of times. And these instructions were written in lots of copies and sent to 127 provinces in the empire, taken on really fast horses, because they were really important instructions, and they were taken everywhere. So the instructions from Mordecai went out everywhere, and they went to people who were God's people, the Jews, and to people who weren't God's people. And as they arrived, before they heard of this rescue declared, God's people were in a place of real danger. And to not be one of God's people was a place of safety. But then when they heard this rescue declared, we see that actually now it's God's people who are in a position of safety. And now, seeing that they're safe, what do they do? They celebrate. And they cheered, hooray! And they celebrated because now they were people who were safe. But to not be one of God's people, well, that was, a, that was now a position of danger. And so as people who were not God's people heard this rescue declared, many of them, we are told, decided that they now would become part of God's people. They would move from a place of danger to a place of safety. Many people move from a place of danger to a place of safety by becoming God's people as they heard God's rescue declared. So we see back in Esther's day, there is, can you remember the heading? Rescue declared. And that rescue that is declared is a picture of another bigger, better rescue that is declared for you and me. Uh, the rescue that is declared for you and me is the rescue from God's judgment on our sin and his judgment on the whole world. And actually, that is the biggest danger that we will ever, ever face. And yet the rescue that is declared announces that we too can move to a place of safety. How is this rescue possible? Well, because the rescue declared 
speaks of Jesus' death upon the cross. It is as he died on the cross that we see our greatest enemies defeated, the enemy of sin and Satan and death. As we see Jesus die on the cross, we see that our sins are paid for. And so for people who love the Lord Jesus, as they hear of this rescue declared, actually if we put our faith in the Lord Jesus, if we've been moved from a place of danger to a place of safety, as we hear of this rescue declared, it should cause us joy and celebration. We should be like God's people in Esther's day, who were happy and joyful because of the rescue that they had heard about. And the same should go for you and me. And if you're watching today as someone who wouldn't say that they're a follower of the Lord Jesus, do you know what? There's still time for you to move from a place of danger to a place of safety. And that is by hearing and trusting this rescue declared all about the Lord Jesus. You remember back in our story that the people, they had nine months before the instructions were to be carried out, nine months in which they could change sides to become part of God's people, nine months in which they could move from a place of danger to a place of safety. And the same goes for us today as we hear of this rescue declared. Actually, we've got time now to move from a place of danger to a place of safety. As we hear of Jesus dying in our place, we can move from a place of danger to a place of safety. There is time. But what must you do? You must first hear, and then you must trust that Jesus has died in your place. There is no more important thing than you could do. And yet if you do, do you know what? You too can know joy and celebration because you know your sins forgiven and you know the amazing rescue that God has worked is for you. I'd encourage you to do that. If you've never heard and trusted this message about Jesus dying in your place, do it today. There's our first heading, rescue declared. Our second heading is this, rescue arrives. You do the actions with me, rescue arrives. And this is chapter 9, verses 1 to 19. And to think about this, we need to go back and catch up with our story nine months later. So nine months later, after the instructions were sent out by Mordecai to the entire empire, on this day, God's people here were given permission, if they are attacked, to destroy, kill and annihilate anyone who comes and attacks them. And not only are they given that instruction, they're also given the support of the nobles and the princes and the king. And still, there are enemies of God's people who want to kill them nine months later, in spite of the danger that they are in. And on this day, what we find is shocking. Because God's people end up killing a lot of people. So that... We find that in Susa, the capital city, one day 500 people die. And the next day, another 300 people die. And all across the empire, we're told 75,000 people die. It is really shocking what happens. And yet it is necessary for God's people to be kept safe. It is necessary for them to be kept safe. And all the people that had been killed, remember they had nine months to change sides? Many of them did, but lots of them didn't. Nine months they decided we're still going to try and kill God's people, in spite of them being stood against the king. And so lots and lots of them died, including, remember Haman? Ten of his sons, they are killed too, as well as everybody else. It's a shocking scene. But it's through this that rescue arrives for God's people. Boys and girls and grown-ups too, the thing that we must remember is that what happens in Esther is a unique 
thing. God's people there are acting on God's behalf to destroy his enemies. You might have noticed in verse 10 and verse 15, we're told that God's people don't take any plunder. They don't take any of the things, the stuff belonging to their enemies. It's a bit of an indication that they're acting on God's behalf in punishing their enemies. That was how the pattern happened back in the book of Joshua. And it seems that what's happening with Esther is a unique moment. It is a a moment only, only for these people, only at this time and only in this place that they can act on God's behalf. But for you and me, we are never, ever to do the same thing. We're told in Romans chapter 12 that actually when it comes to punishing God's enemy, that alone is God's work and that we are now to leave that to him. The book of Esther is an only moment, a unique moment. And one thing to particularly notice is that in chapter 9, verse 5, we are told that all of the enemies of God's people are killed. It's a sense of judgment on the enemies of God's people who had nine months to change their mind and to change side, but they didn't. And so God's judgment came. But as judgment came, what came for God's people? Well, rescue arrives for God's people. Rescue arrives. Now, having looked at the story of Esther and seen that rescue arrives in Esther's day, we actually see that that is a picture of a date off in the future when for all of God's people, everyone who loves the Lord Jesus and is trusting in him, on a future day, we will see rescue finally arrive for God's people. We will see rescue arrive on that day. But you might say, well, rescue from what? Well, there is a a danger. The biggest danger we could ever face is what we'd be rescued from. And that is the danger of facing God as our judge and facing the punishment we all deserve on our sin. And actually, this danger is what we all deserve because all of us have turned our backs on God. We don't want to live for him, to please him. And yet, and yet on that future day, when rescue arrives, we can know rescue from danger to be made totally safe. Because actually, finally and completely, all of God's enemies and the enemies of God's people will be defeated. Uh, But unlike in Esther's day when Esther and her friends had to do the fighting, for us, we will not. Jesus, our King, will destroy everybody who sides with Satan and against his people. For Christians, that scary and shocking day is actually good news. In parts of our world, there are people who, who, who sometimes will, will die because they love the Lord Jesus, or they are mistreated because they love him. In such places, those enemies who have stood against God and his people will face the punishment they deserve. It's a strong warning, isn't it? But it's actually good news that enemies of God's people will not live on as they please. But hearing of this rescue that arrives to take us from danger to safety is also a warning if you've yet to come to trust the Lord Jesus. Because the Bible says that for you, actually, you're still in a place of danger. You're still in a place of danger. And God would say to you, you must change sides. And you can change sides. Because if you don't, well, you'll stay in a position of danger forever where you will face God's punishment on your sin. And that fate is worse even than what the enemies of God's people endured in Esther's day. And for those of us who love the Lord Jesus, we should be really concerned for those people we know and love who at the moment are still in a place of danger that they might come to trust in Jesus so that when God's rescue and his judgment arrive, they are found safe and not in danger. So there's our second heading. We see rescue arrives. The third and final heading is this. Rescue remembered. Rescue remembered. And this is chapter 9, verse 20 to 32. The final part of our story sees Mordecai and Esther give an important instruction. 
It's an instruction that would make sure this rescue is remembered. This rescue is remembered. So they instruct God's people on one day, the day when they knew rescue from their enemies. They had to hold a special festival. They had to celebrate. They had to give gifts to the poor. And do you know what they had to call this day? They had to call it the day of the dice. Uh, literally, it's, um, it's, it's Purim in verse 26. It, the word means dice. Remembering all the way back to when Haman gave his wicked instruction. How did he do it? He threw dice. Why does Haman and what, sorry, Mordecai and Esther say that they are to call this the day of the dice? Well, it's to remind them that God appears hidden and yet is at work in saving his people, even in the throwing of dice, to help them be safe. And as each year comes around, there is rescue to be remembered as they hold these celebrations. And so year after year, Mordecai and Esther's instruction is obeyed and this rescue is remembered. Why? So that God's people might continue to trust the God who's in charge of dice that roll and kings that can't get to sleep in their beds. For you and me as believers in the Lord Jesus, we too, like the people back in Esther's day, have rescue to be remembered. There is rescue to remember. And God instructs us to be people who remember and who rejoice in the rescue that he has won for us. Above all the rescue he's won for us in the Lord Jesus. Uh, we have a celebration meal that we hold as a church. It's a, it's a meal we've not been able to share for some time while we've not been able to meet in our building. And that's called the Lord's Supper. We share bread and, and wine as a reminder of the rescue that God has brought. And as we share it, we celebrate and we remember God's rescue that he has worked in Jesus dying for us. And it's important for us, actually, in the songs that we sing, in the prayers we pray, in the sermons that are preached, that through all of these things, God's rescue is remembered. Why? So we, like Esther and Mordecai and all God's people back then, will be people who keep trusting God. The God who has moved us from a place of danger to a place of total safety by sending his son to die for us. And we need to work hard to make sure that his rescue is remembered by you and me. Well, our time in the book of Esther is almost through. I wonder as we've looked at the book how many times you notice that God and his name is mentioned. How many times is God mentioned in the book of Esther? No times. Why not? Is it that God isn't there? Well, of course God is there. But as we've seen, God is hidden, yet clearly at work in the book of Esther, saving his people. And for you and me today, sometimes God can appear somewhat hidden in our world, and yet we can be confident that as he was hidden, yet at work in the book of Esther, so today he might appear hidden, but we can be sure that he is at work saving us, his people. And that should encourage us to trust him and serve him with all we've got. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you so much for the way that you have moved us from a position of real danger to a position of safety. Thank you that you did that because Jesus has died in our place. Thank you that that means on in the future, that day when Jesus returns to judge all the earth, we will know not judgment arriving, but rescue arriving. Rescue that will be forever and for all those people who've trusted in Jesus. Help us both keep trusting Jesus and work hard to remember the rescue that he's brought. Thank you, Father, that you are at work in our world. Thank you for your goodness towards us. We give you our praise in Jesus' name. Amen. As Tom mentioned, uh, we've just heard about rescue declared, rescue arrived, rescue remembered. And one of the ways that we remember is by singing. So we're going to sing now together, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. Uh, it's really a song just saying, uh, there's no way I can fully express 
uh, what my rescuer has done for me.
We're going to turn now to pray, uh, to present all the needs that we have as a church family uh, to our Father in heaven. Let's pray together. Our Father, we want to lift up to you, particularly uh, at this time of need, uh, Clive and Gail and Morris and Ted and other members of our church family who are really suffering, going through difficulty and trial at this moment. We thank you for the precious words that we heard on Thursday evening uh, in our home groups from 1 Peter, encouraging us uh, that joy in suffering is possible as we look ahead to the hope uh, that we have to be with Jesus himself. We pray for each one of those church members and that in their various problems and difficulties, you will help them to find joy, to look ahead and to remember uh, the glory that is to come. And we pray that you will help them to see purpose in their suffering. As you refine their faith, you test it and strengthen it and encourage them with that too. And we thank you so much, Father, that you protect your people and guard them and carry them through every difficulty. We pray that you would be carrying Clive and Gail uh, through this trial as they approach Clive's um, new session of chemotherapy starting on Monday. We pray that you would uh, bring healing to Clive, that you would make him better. We pray that you would bring strength and faith to them, guarding their love, their joy, and their belief in Jesus uh, during this time of difficulty. We pray also for Stephen, uh, Clive Miguel's son, as he awaits test results on a lump found um, a while back. We pray that, that he would be given the all clear. And that in this time, uh, Clive and Gail would have chance to witness to their son of the hope that they have uh, in the Lord Jesus. We pray uh, as well for Morris as he uh, mourns the loss of Avril, that you would comfort him, protect him, guard him and shield him by your power. Thank you for those you've put around him to care for him. Thank you for the church family he has. We pray that we as a church might be a great support and comfort to him and help us to know how to serve him and love him practically too. And Father, thinking further afield, um, beyond our four walls as a church, we pray uh, for those Christian believers in Qatar, a small country, a wealthy country in many ways, and yet for many, particularly uh, foreign migrant workers, uh, a tough place to live, especially for Christians. We pray for those who know Jesus and want to walk with him in that country, uh, that you would strengthen them though they will go through many difficulties and trials with opposition and persecution for their belief are common at every level, in government, in their local communities, even in their families. We pray that you might guard and protect those who walk with your son and keep them walking with him. We ask, Father, that, that they might be given more freedom as uh, Christians and as churches, that they might be allowed to witness to Muslims in the area, and that the, the ban on that might be lifted. But we know, Father, that though opposition is uh, likely and difficult in that country, and that the word of God can spread and grow, and that disciples can be made uh, in any setting. We thank you for the witness of that in the Bible and in history. And we pray uh, that you might encourage many small fledgling churches in Qatar, uh, that the word of God is powerful, that Jesus is Lord and salvation is him, him alone. Help them to have confidence, help them to walk with him and help them to delight in him every day. In Jesus' name, we pray all of these things and asking for his glory uh, in Beckles through our church and in Qatar particularly. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I just want to tell you now about a few church notices, things coming up. And the big thing, uh, I'm going to hand over straight away to Beth to tell you a bit more about Holiday Bible Club. Hello, everybody. You are invited to join us for lots of jungle fun at Holiday Bible Club. Now, this year, we can't meet in our building altogether. So instead, you can join from the comfort of your own sofa. We're going to be airing at 9am on the 25th to the 27th of August on our YouTube channel. You can find it below. 
come and join me and all these crazy guys as we search for the saber-toothed hamster. There you are! Hello, I'm Jungle Jane. Welcome to Craft Time at the Holiday Bible Club. The brown bear's gone off to find some food, so let's try it without him. Let's see if we can do it. Not only can you watch us on YouTube, but you can join in the fun from home. Email the address below to request your free craft pack. It contains lots of crafts that you can join in with, all the things that you'll need to enjoy the challenges with us, and lots of extra special goodies too. And there is a chance for you to win prizes from the comfort of your own sofa. Join us from the 25th to the 27th of August for a lot of jungle fun. Thanks, Beth. I hope that has excited you uh, as children and as families for what's coming up this summer online at Holiday Bible Club. A couple of things just to flag up to you. Uh, firstly, just resources to point out for you. Firstly, on YouTube, uh, our online we have uh, playlists which you can look up and sing along to. But also, this week we've recorded a new video as part of our Bible reading plan. Uh, helping you to think through what would the book of Judges look like. We'll have sent through a link by email for you to watch that, or you could find that on our YouTube channel. Just look up the video entitled BBC Intro to Judges. And that's online. Um, and a couple of events coming up this week and today. Firstly, this afternoon, we have at 3.30 uh, our Sunday school uh, on Zoom, and then at 6.30 our prayer meeting on Zoom. We had a great time last week and I hope that you'll be able to join us as we pray for churches in the local area and for our own needs as a church. Coming up this week, uh, we have our final uh, home group for the term. Our plan is in the summer to have weekly prayer meetings and we'll fill you in a bit more as they come up. And lastly, just to remind you of what's happening next Sunday, we have our services in the building again at 9.15 and at 11.15 in the morning. Uh, there'll be duplicate services and it would be great if you could let us know by email uh, which one you're intending to come to. At the very same time, 11.15, uh, we will have another service going online on YouTube, uh, very much the same as those services in the building. Then in the afternoon, as a slight change, uh, but a really significant change, at four o'clock, we are intending to meet with a Christchurch Camborne uh, to pray with them in a joint prayer meeting. That's at four o'clock, and we will be meeting on Zoom and sharing various needs between the churches and encouraging one another, strengthening our partnership and praying for each other. I hope you'll be able to join us then. Now, some words uh, from the end of chapter four of the book of Acts uh, to encourage you. Describing the, the life of the local church filled with the Spirit, this is what God says. We're told uh, that with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. Let's pray that God will do that with us. Father, we thank you that Jesus is risen, and that by his Spirit, he rules and directs and guides the church. We pray that you would continue to be powerfully at work in each one of us, cause us to love you, cause us to love each other, and cause us to love the lost, those who don't know you and who need to be brought from danger to safety. We thank you for salvation found in Jesus. We pray that we will rejoice in that and share that with others this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us this morning.